Now, uh, for those of you who are maybe new or part of DSBC, just a heads up, our lead pastor, Caleb Campbell, is on sabbatical. This is something that's normally part of the church rhythm to uh, give ministers kind of that time to rest and recharge and connect with God um, in new and fresh ways. Because uh, sometimes leading a church can be heavy. Um, but I got to say, leading a church during a pandemic in this last couple of years is really heavy. <laughs> so our board, uh, in all their wisdom, has... Uh, Ask Caleb to take this sabbatical so that he can have some time to rest and recharge, connect with his family, um, and connect with God in new ways, and so that he can come back and lead for many more years to come. But what that means is that we as a church family get to hear from some amazing speakers uh, that Caleb has lined up while he's gone to share God's word with us that are from um, the city of Phoenix. And so today I get to introduce you to Sean McGeever who, there you are, I was trying to make sure you were still there. Um, (laughs) I was like, another heart attack here on the stage. (laughs) Sean McGeever actually is, uh, we've had a partnership with him for a long time because he's the area director of Young Life, Um, and so Desert Springs is another one of our partnerships. In fact, um, Enrique, our student ministry director, serves at PV High School as one of their leaders. And so we love working with Young Life, and we're excited to hear from Sean today. Sean also teaches theology at GCU, so I believe <laughs> he's got a lot of wisdom to share with us today. Great. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm really excited to be with you all today here and online. Uh, we go really far back with DSBC. I've uh, been on staff with Young Life in this same community for 20 years, and one of the first times that we needed a office almost 20 years ago, Rick Eford gave me one out here for a good season and just helped me out in so many ways. And so, so thankful to be back. And uh, this is where my family goes to church too. So um, as I prayed about what we could discuss today, I felt like God led me uh, to a passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at in John chapter 16, starting in verse 5. Uh, John 16, uh, verse 5 through 15, and the thought that came to mind for me, and I'm interested to see what the Spirit might speak to you today, is with this passage is that um, as Christians, we are never alone. Never alone. So uh, let's see what the Spirit might be saying to you in this. Um, And what I'm going to do is open by just reading the Scripture, and I'm going to read it a bit slowly and I'm going to leave some space for it to just kind of sit there and for let you think about it. Just kind of let the words land with you and just let it uh, kind of resonate. And then we'll pick it up from there. So I'm going to read John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. And this is Jesus speaking. Starts in verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. 
about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I was very excited when Pastor Caleb uh, invited me to speak. And the first day that he said, hey, could you do this day that he told me about was October 31st. It's a Sunday that's coming up. Maybe not, uh, it may not have been able to notice that. And all these ideas came to mind. I thought, okay, October 31st, obviously it's Halloween. Uh, it's Reformation Day, you know, for us theologians out there. It's the Eve of All Saints Day. And so my mind was spinning. I was like, okay, God, what is it that we could talk about? Obviously, a lot of folks will be thinking about certain things on that day. Uh, and then they moved me to this day, which isn't uh, a Halloween um, or, or Reformation Day. And I, I felt like um, I'm going to still kind of uh, use that opportunity to, to, to have us lean into kind of that. And I'm a native. I'm uh, you know, born here, raised here, the whole thing. And uh, if you've noticed anything in the last couple of weeks, maybe even the last week or so, the weather has changed. Um, anyone excited about that? Yeah, I know I am. Yeah, it's starting to change. Phoenix has a way of tricking us. Uh, just when we think things have gotten better, it'll probably hit a hot streak. Or, um, but uh, I feel like it's changed a little bit. And there's indications all over the valley uh, that we're heading into something. Obviously, the calendar just turned to October. And so yesterday, I was going to the grocery store with my daughter. And they had pumpkins out in front. And that was nice and lovely. Um, they had these things. I, I wasn't quite sure what it was, but uh, I hear they're great. It's a um, cinnamon broom. I, I'm not sure if you'd actually want to sweep your house with this thing. But after I'd picked it up, my hand smelled so great. I, I, it was one, I think I'm going to go back. It was $6. I should have got it. Um, and then when we went in, they had these pumpkin uh, chocolate chip cookies, the kind of tall, puffy ones. I don't know if you've seen They're so good. Anyway, so clear, they didn't have all that stuff a month ago. And then uh, in all across the valley, uh, in, you know, uh, storefronts that are no longer filled with anything, uh, all these stores keep popping up. The Spirit Store, I don't know if you've seen these or pop up, but they'll be up for a month or two, and then they'll, they'll kind of come, and then they'll go. Uh, I've never been into one, but I know, like, I know a lot of teenagers. I work with Young Life, and uh, they love going in there and just hanging out. They'll spend hours just messing around and, and doing all sorts of things in there. Um, uh, another thing, it, uh, uh, there is, yeah, so you got this uh, spirit store. Oh, n across the street from us. So not on our street. Um, on our street, it's a little bit subdued. You know, maybe on, on Halloween, some people will hand out candy, some others uh, won't. But like one street away from us is one of those like streets that everyone comes to see. And they put more work into like decorating uh, for Halloween than any other uh, week. And so I drive by that um, every day. And so, you know, whether it's when I go to the grocery store or I'm up at, you know, Desert Ridge and there's a spirit store or I'm driving in my own neighborhood, I have this reminder that, um, you know, people are thinking about this new season. Um, and even when I go to our very favorite store, I'll tell you what our favorite store is because I bought something there. Um, 
here it is. Our favorite store in our family is Costco. Any Costco fans out there? Um, you, if you walk into Costco, uh, you can't help but notice that they have things like this everywhere, okay? And I'm not really much of an expert on uh, Halloween outfits or on um, these characters, but I'll, I'll just uh, probably butcher it. But I, I take this as Spider-Man, um, and I don't know that much about it, but uh, I think this story goes that he was bitten by some sort of laboratory spider? Is this the story? Something like that? Okay, all right. And the idea is that this, this guy, um, he got bitten, and he can shoot like, like webs, and he can jump. I, I've, seen, I've seen that a little bit. So there's that. And then over here, I think this is Wonder Woman, and she too can do wonderful things. I think I saw that movie like a year ago. It was actually pretty fun. Um, and she has these like um, uh, bracelets they can do things. I don't, I don't know what they do, but they're special. And then uh, I, know, I do know that she has this, is it a lasso of truth? That, I kind of like that part. That seems really fun to me, or maybe scary at the same time, a lasso of truth. I don't know if I'd want to run into that all the time. Um, but the thing about these that tells me um, something about, about me as a Christian is that whether folks are Christian or not, um, a lot of folks want to think about what our capacities are. So there's something that is like continually intriguing um, th about these sort of things. You go, well, I know what I can do. I can do this and this and this. But what if I could do more? What if I didn't just have human powers? What if I had superhuman powers? And so whether it's the Marvel Universe or all these kind of silly outfits and things like that, people dwell on that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's you know... Um, they are thinking, like, wouldn't it be fun to just kind of imagine something like that? And, and as Christians, we believe, sure, we're here and we're created as humans, that there's a material world, but we also believe that there's an immaterial world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and, uh, and the earth. And so there's, like, the material world and there's the immaterial world. Um, and so the, the strange thing is, when we come to the season that, that the entire month of October is, um, there's a bunch of folks who um, maybe aren't necessarily religious that are also thinking that there's more, there's more out there, okay? And you run into it at stores and all sorts of things. And Jesus uh, had something to say about that. Um, he, Jesus had something to say about that there is more uh, accessible to us than just the material world or what we'd be thinking about. And so I'm going to pick that up here in John 16, verse 5, and walk through it. It, it said this, uh, Jesus is speaking. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me, yet uh, none of you ask, where are you going? So this is in John chapter 16. This is in a larger part of uh, scripture in John, which is called the Upper Room Discourse, which is John chapter 13 through 17. And if you could imagine, those several chapters right there are the night before um, he is going to be crucified. So we know what Good Friday is. So there's Friday, right? This is on Thursday. And we're walking into a narrative that captures things that he's saying to his disciples right here. So this comes at a really critical point in Jesus' life, and he's wanting to say some things that are really important. Um, and, and they're saying, and none of you ask, where are you going? He knows that something's about to happen, and they're, they're quite confused. Um, verse 6, rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. Jesus had said, I'm going to go away. And it makes sense to me that they would be filled with grief. Uh, they had come to love Jesus. They had come to be in awe of the things that he had done. Uh, they were still a bit confused and had their own little journey with Jesus, but still had a, a more to be told there. But it says that they're filled with grief um, because he, he said that he was going to go away. He kept hinting at it, and now it was time for it to really become reality. Um, he was going to be crucified. He's going to resurrect, and he's going to ascend into heaven to the right hand of the Father. And so um, he had been kind of saying this is going to happen, and they're filled with grief because of this. 
that makes sense to me. Um, that makes sense to me. In Young Life, what we do is we want to look at junior highs and high schools and sometimes colleges as mission fields. And so one of the things we are frequently doing is we're explaining uh, God's offer to be in relationship with them, to save them. And a lot of times when we're talking about the life of Jesus, it's, it's like they're tracking. They go, yes, that Jesus person sounds wonderful. I've thought that there could possibly be a God. I know I'm a sinner, etc., etc." And then when it comes to, well, would you like to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's where sometimes things get a bit tricky because they go, well, I have no idea how to be in a relationship with someone who's not here. I know how to be in a relationship maybe with my family. I know how to be in a relationship with some of my friends, my teachers, my coaches. Like, they're here. Like, I can interact with them. But Sean, or any of us, you know, how do I have a relationship with someone who's not here? You know? And so there's, we help, help them walk through that. But it makes sense that the disciples are asking, like, a very similar question here in John 16. They're filled with grief because Jesus is saying he's going to go away. They love being in, like, physical uh, proximity to Jesus. And yet he says, this is not the, like, ongoing plan of what I have for you. Okay? And so obviously that was 2,000 years ago. And, and Jesus is right now at the right hand of the Father. He's not here on earth. And so um, uh, he continues here and says, well, um, I have something I, I want to do. Verse 7, but very truly, truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Now, let's just do a little quiz here for a second. Um, <laughs> uh, is, would you want to have Jesus here right now? Doesn't that sound kind of good, actually, to have him here, right? I think it does. I, if, if you were to ask me, if Jesus was here to ask me and say, would you rather me stay right here? I would say, yes, Jesus, I want you to stay right next to my side. I want you to be with me right here. It's just kind of my obvious, just being honest, answer. But Jesus says, no, it is good that I go away, which should be a little bit of a head scratcher. Because you go, wait, why in the world does Jesus think that it's good to go away? Okay, I'd rather you be here. And I think, and we'll explore what uh, the explanation is here, because that's where it's at, but I just want to pause there. I'm pretty sure I know what would happen in 2021. If Jesus was in, not at the right hand of the Father, uh, right now, uh, ascended into heaven, but if he was here, um, people would flock. Just like they did when we read about the accounts of Jesus in there. I mean, people flocked to them. They wanted to say who was going to heal. They wanted to be near him. That would definitely happen today. But, oh man, with the advances in, like, travel and, you know, all sorts of stuff, they would want to be near him. It wouldn't be enough to just, like, watch him on TV. We'd want to actually be physically present, like lots of us have been longing to the last uh, while here. Um, and so I think what would happen in 2021 is if Jesus happened to be, let's just say, in Jerusalem, we would say, like, let's get as close as possible to Jesus. And there would be a massive crowd that would form around him. And as we know, um, when things like that happen— what ends up happening is the inner circle are the people who have the most access, who have the most power, who have the most connections, okay? And, I mean, there's only a couple people that can stand around one person, right? And so that would have been a very, very, very exclusive group of the billions of people that stand on earth. Meanwhile, those that didn't have money maybe weren't even very accessible themselves. Maybe they couldn't move around or didn't have, uh, you know, flexibility to do those sorts of things. They would be at the periphery. And it might feel as if I'm so distant from Jesus, and yet those other people are so close to him. So I think that for a lot of reasons, and some that we're going to explore right here, it's better that Jesus went away, because it would have actually created a major problem. It had already been creating a major problem in Jesus' day. He says this, Unless I go away, um, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And this is, the, this is what Jesus is getting at. Here is the upside of Jesus going away, is that he's going to send the Spirit. And he uses this word advocate, which is another word for the Holy Spirit. Now, you have to kind of keep reading forward here, and um, you know, after Jesus ascends into heaven, in Acts 2, we read about the giving of the Spirit, Pentecost, and all that, and so we can save that for another day. But Jesus is saying, this is my plan. I want to send the advocate. I want to send the Holy Spirit to all of you. And, it, and one of the beautiful things at uh, Pentecost is it's sent into each individual that the Spirit of God lives inside of Christians, and so that, so that uh, the Spirit comes with you um, as you go all of, throughout the earth. And this word is interesting, this word advocate here. In some translations, maybe you'll see counselor, or if you read some like really old school translations, uh, you might even see the word paraclete, um, or, or parakletos is, is the word that's underneath that. Um, and I want to kind of just break that word down, because I find it not only just interesting, I also find it really helpful as I think about what it means for me as a Christian, to walk my Christian life while Jesus isn't here on earth with me. And so there's uh, this word uh, paraclete, uh, from which we get the word advocate or counselor thing. It has two parts. You can't always do this with words, like break them into their etymological parts and things like that, but, but you can in this case. It, it, it's helpful and instructive, sends us in the right direction. So there's two parts with paraclete. Para, Cleat, okay? And uh, the word for cleat is, uh, is uh, kaleo, and there's a, a word, and what it means in the original language is to call out. You can almost hear it, like kaleo, call out, kaleo, call out. You can kind of almost sound similar. It doesn't have to work that way always, but in this case it does. It's also the word from which we get um, the word for church in the New Testament, that ecclesia, which is the called out people. It's actually the assembly of the people. You call out and we assemble. Um, and so this idea of calling out is uh, core of what John is wanting to say here, um, uh, it, it recording Jesus' words about what the work of the Holy Spirit is. So call out um, is the second part of paraclete. And then there's the para, P-A-R-A. And this is just a preposition, which in our words, uh, like parallel lines, okay? So like parallel. Uh, para is a preposition which means alongside. And so I like to think of like train tracks. You know how there's like metal rails on train tracks and the wheels roll on the two of them? Well, they, they're, they're parallel, right? They're the same distance apart and they kind of go in a direction. And so when I think about uh, the advocate, when I think about the counselor, when I think about the paraclete, I think of this. I think of the Holy Spirit working in our lives in a, in a, in a you know, uh, always present way, calling out alongside of us going and speaking to us things that are true and things that we need to hear. That's like a defensive slide in case you're in basketball, if you recognize that. Coached basketball for a couple of years. But, um, but coming alongside of us and saying things that we need to hear, calling out. In fact, one way that I kind of ran into this, um, I knew what the word meant, but I saw it illustrated, was in uh, working at Young Life's camp called Lost Canyon a couple of years. I was speaking, and I had the great privilege to speak to uh, several hundred students with disabilities. Young Life has a ministry called Capernaum, which is just beautiful and wonderful, and our commitment to be able to reach every uh, teenager that we can with the gospel. Um, and so we had hundreds of uh, students with disabilities up at Lost Canyon. I got to speak to them and their leaders. And what I found out was one of my friends, Katie, who is a Young Life Capernaum leader um, down in Tucson, she was going to be coming up with her group. And one of the uh, folks in her group, his name is Marcus. And Marcus is blind and uh, has other, uh, some other things as well, but he also is blind. And one of the ways that our, our Young Life leaders uh, work in that space is uh, they volunteer frequently with the Special Olympics. 
And Katie was telling me about this, and she's like, oh, it's so much fun. Marcus and I and some of the uh, Young Life Capernaum leaders, we get to do this thing, and I'm one of his guides for his Special Olympics event. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, um, he's a sprinter, um, and he's a runner, and so he'll run like a 100-meter dash. You may have seen this if you watch like the Paralympics um, that are always right after the Olympics that most of us know about. Um, so he's a sprinter, and I, I don't only just like tell him what to do, I'm actually a guide. And so, um, in fact, maybe I'll just show you the video. Um, she sent me a video of what her and Marcus do when they are, are training for this. So watch this and think about that paraclete running alongside. That cool i mean i just think it's so wonderful like they get to connect in that way and marcus is able to be a sprinter even though he does you know he can see and so i think that's great but when i think about what katie and marcus are able to do i instantly go to this idea that um, jesus uses about the paraclete that the holy spirit is sent to us uh, as christians to guide us and to come right alongside of us saying you've got it we're going the right direction do this don't go that way you're going the wrong way correct make a correction do this saying things that we need to hear saying things that are true and encouraging us along the way as we want to um, follow uh, god's lead that is uh what jesus is part of jesus's genius plan was um to be able to send the spirit so in uh verse eight it tells us more specifically about the types of things that the Holy Spirit uh, does in our lives. Verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And so there's many things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives from a distance that we might not see, uh, but that we can listen for. And I want to list uh, uh, up three things, and they're the three things that, um, that, that Jesus is talking about right here. And I want to actually kind of phrase these as um, uh, three truths uh, when, uh, to think about when you're alone, when you feel alone. Uh, three things that the Holy Spirit might be saying to you when you feel uh, like you're alone. And so let's see what those are, because Jesus kind of explains them more in detail. For instance, in verse 9, it says, about sin, because people do not believe in me. Now, um, Jesus is saying, there are folks that do not believe in me. And, and what he's getting at here is Jesus is saying that he's God, Okay. Um, that, that we should believe uh, that Jesus is God, that he is, um, it's sin to, to not believe that Jesus is God. And so um, one thing that we can always know is definitely the voice of the Holy Spirit is when we're going through life and whatever it is that we're going through, we hear a whisper in our hearts and it says, Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Savior. Walking alongside, if you hear that, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, I can guarantee that that is a truth that we can absolutely hear. I'll tell you some of the things that I'm tempted to hear, which are not true, and probably come from the pit of hell. Sean, you're God. Sean, you're in charge. Sean, you need to toughen up. You, I, the bar is much higher for who you are. And I go, okay, sure, there might be moments where I need to make some corrections and do these sorts of things. But the truth of the matter that comes from the Holy Spirit, it says Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. You're not, okay? And then the next thing it says here in verse 10 about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And this one is about righteous, or who is the one that does right? 
Um, and this would be, again, kind of in regard to sin. And so this might sound like uh, this. The Holy Spirit sounds like this. Jesus is the righteous one. Jesus is the perfect one. Jesus is the sinless one, not you. <laughs> and, and so any, any, you know, when I confront my sin and I recognize that, and I go, geez, I'm just such a fake. I mean, I barely am a Christian. If people knew really what I'm wrestling with, the things that I, I still struggle with, gosh, I just, I go, just the Holy Spirit is whispering, Jesus is the Holy One, not you, Sean. Jesus is the perfect one, not you. Jesus is the one that has never sinned. Sean, remember that over and over and over. That is the voice of the Holy Spirit, especially if you feel this downtrodden, you feel discouraged. Uh, if you feel alone, listen to the righteousness of Jesus. He alone is the righteous one. And then the third one here in verse 11, it says this, about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now notice that. Notice the, 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 the tense of that. Um, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, which is pretty interesting if you think about it. Um, the cross has not occurred yet. The resurrection has not occurred yet. The ascension has not occurred yet. And yet Jesus, the night before all of that, can say that the prince of this world now, back then, stood, uh, stands condemned. And who is the prince of the world? It's Satan. And so what he is hinting at um, is and alluding towards is that Jesus is victorious over Satan. That, 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 that the gates of hell will not prevail. We already know this for sure. It's a past truth that we're still living into right now. It's an already but not yet. But Jesus is victorious. Victory is guaranteed. It's already been in the past. In fact, it's, we do you know, a little theology Bible study on this or whatever. How is it possible that it's, it's actually happened and now, now a true reality before the cross? Um, we can save that for another time. You can bother Caleb when he comes back. I'm sure he's studying it really deeply right now. Um, <laughs> but Jesus is victorious. And so if you hear this, um, if you hear a word, Jesus has conquered Satan. Jesus is victorious. That is, the, that is the word of the Holy Spirit into our life. It's a whisper that we can know is true. Um, and so it goes on and says uh, more things here. And uh, I'll, I'll read it here in verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, this is another name for the Holy Spirit, when the he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so the Spirit makes, uh, Jesus makes a promise that the Spirit will continue to speak uh, to the disciples and to what we receive now. And so if you've ever wondered, um, how, what does the, the Holy Spirit sound like? Um, I can tell you that it sounds like this, okay? It sounds like Scripture. The voice of the Holy Spirit sounds exactly like Scripture. And if you want to know what God sounds like, just become familiar with his words. They'll echo in your ears. You'll hear them over and over. Find songs that have scripture. Sit in a church like this one that preaches scripture. Um, hit play on the, a Bible app or something where you can just listen to it while you drive around. You have, have you ever like heard someone say something and you go, oh, that sounds just like something my grandma would say. Or, or that sounds like something that Pastor Caleb would say because I hear him say it so much, you know. Um, or that sounds like something, because why? You recognize that when, when someone speaks um, about someone that you know really well. 
like the inclination or kind of the verbiage or the, the, you know what I'm talking about? When you know, that sounds just like someone I know really, really well. When you hear a whisper inside of your heart, the way that the Holy Spirit sounds is like this. And the way to become attuned to that is to become familiar, like you might with your family, your grandma, or whomever it might be, where you already know when you hear it that that's what that voice sounds like. This is what that voice sounds like when the speaking of the Holy Spirit is. And you can listen, and it'll guide you right alongside with you. And so um, we can uh, bring up the, the worship team, because I'm going to kind of wrap up here. Um, but yeah, those are three truths that we can feel, uh, or we can think about when we're alone. That Jesus is God, that Jesus is righteous, that Jesus is victorious. That I'm not in any way equipped to be God. I'm not in any way equipped to be the perfect one. And I'm not in any way expected to be the one that's victorious over Satan. That is all God's responsibility. And Jesus has accomplished that on my behalf. Um, and so I have two challenges. And I just want to uh, close with one Bible verse before the worship team leads us into um, uh, what's next. Uh, if you have not put your faith in Christ, I want to let you know that you can receive uh, salvation and forgiveness, and that when you do, that the Holy Spirit comes into you. You do not have to be alone. You might, like, physically be alone. You might go home to your room or whatever, be alone. But you will never be alone when you say yes to Jesus Christ. And I know that the staff here and the leadership here would love to talk with you to explain whatever it is, questions you might have, or if even today is the day that you would say yes I want to put my faith in God, and I don't want to be alone. You can do that now, and I encourage you to just kind of hang around and talk to someone um, maybe out front that could talk with you about that, one of the pastors. Um, secondly, if you're a Christian like myself, I want to give you a bit of an October challenge. Um, as we run into all these reminders that, that like basically everyone in our country is attuned that there might be something more out there, when you go into a grocery store and you notice that, you know, there's pumpkins and things like that, or you see people putting stuff up in, their, in front of their house because of Halloween, or whatever it is, maybe October is a month for you to just remember that the Holy Spirit speaks, and to listen for that, and to listen to truth, and to know that the, the Spirit wants to, it does, is designed and like equipped and described as to walk right alongside of you every single moment of your life, and does. And so maybe you'll just pay a little bit more attention to that voice. I'm going to read uh, verse 33 here um, before we go into this, because this is kind of, Jesus is clo closing this up to his disciples, and he says this in John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus, thank you that you have overcome the world. You said that the day before the cross, which is mysterious to understand it, but you have done that. You are the righteous one. You are the holy one. You are the victorious one. Lord, I know many of us have troubles. Lord, I pray that we can take part in you and know that for those of us who have put our faith in you, that the Spirit is with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen.